Welcome to the IoT Idols podcast. I'm Ryan Cousins, co-founder and CEO of Critical. We help bring bleeding-edge technology products to market through a combination of hardware and software modules and professional engineering services. We believe every innovator has a powerful collection of experiences and knowledge that can help inspire others in their field. If you have a story you'd like to share, stick around at the end of the show and we'll explain how you can be a guest on one of our upcoming episodes. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you could be the next IoT Idol. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of IoT Idols, Innovators to Watch. This is Critical CEO and host Ryan Cousins, and we're really excited for this conversation today that we're having with Rob Rastovich of Thing Logics. Uh, Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just to, as a quick uh, introduction to our to our, our audience and listeners out there, uh, if you could just give us a quick rundown of what Thing Logics is and and what you guys are all about. Yeah, so Thing Logics was actually born out of um, another company called uh, Telemetry. Uh, it was a startup that uh, myself and three of my buddies started out in Denver. Oh, it's been eight years ago now. And back then, our objective was to create basically a IoT ingestion layer, um, so that all the data, you know, went through MQTT and uh, being able to create a, a a broker that goes at scale. Uh, we ult- ultimately ended up selling that company to Amazon, and that is what is known today as AWS IoT, the microservice <laughs> AWS IoT. So um, there was there was three three of us that didn't um, go to Seattle. Um, in addition to being CTO of ThingLogix, I'm also a cattle rancher, and um, there was just no place in Seattle to put the cows. So <laughs> um, we decided to um, not go and uh, work with uh, work at Amazon. Most of the company did go. Uh, but we formed ThingLogix to basically become professional services around the IoT services that we just sold to uh, Amazon because we were the only ones at the time that knew how to use that particular uh, piece of technology. Over the uh, course of the last five or six years, of course, um, IoT has become more and more ubiquitous. And ThingLogix, we've kind of morphed into creating a a low-code, no-code platform to do an IoT solution. So the way I always describe it is essentially what um, Salesforce.com did for CRM, right? Where they said, hey, well, we're going to give you accounts, contacts, leads, and opportunities, and then we'll give you workflows and we'll give you all this other stuff and you can customize your CRM solution from there. Uh, We kind of took a page out of that playbook and did that for IoT. Provided you all the infrastructure, you know, provision all the necessary services that you would need to ingest large amounts of IoT data, to run logic against them, to put your code against them, um, you know, add security, all that kind of stuff. We kind of give to you out of the box and then let you customize it from there. Okay, interesting. Yes. Well, okay. So first things first, uh, we'll get back to the IoT stuff in a minute, but uh, I'm sure everyone's (laughs) dying to know. How would you go from cattle rancher to yeah. selling a business to Amazon? It's a long trail, let me assure you. <laughs> it's not something you get to overnight. But I was, I'm was, i actually a third-generation rancher on, on the ranch I live. I you know, live in central Oregon in a little town called Bend, Oregon. Um, and my grandfather actually homesteaded the ranch that I currently live on. So I grew up on a cattle ranch and 
uh, was here, had been here most of my life. Um, but you know, I started, I was living, uh, for a few years down in Southern California, uh, during the dot com boom and got the, uh, programmer's bug. You know, I started writing Java when Java came out in what it was 94, 95. And I always call that the crack cocaine of my tech. And so once I started writing code, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and so I just stayed in technology ever since. And then I moved back well, probably 10, 15 years ago now uh, to help my dad on the ranch. And so I kind of took that over. And and it's it's been a great combination. I actually incorporate, you know, some of the technology because agriculture happens to be one of the big use cases for IoT. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's almost, it's like, I don't know how not to be a rancher. I kind of, <laughs> it's literally in my blood, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always funny. The, the, I mean, I feel like every single interview we do and every, every other person that I meet has a, a totally unique and unexpected path. Uh, yeah. that, one of the, the, one of the recent, or maybe the last episode, um, they recorded the uh, uh, it was a director of um, uh, operations at um, at a robotics company. Uh, I am robotics. Um, and the, the guest we had on uh, his his background was um, running a uh, well, started out in the Navy on a nuclear submarine and eventually <laughs> went to um be running a basically operations at a nu- nuclear power plant uh and you know eventually ended up at some start essentially a startup robotics company so the the myriad of, of paths that you know people take or i always find super interesting because it's it kind of just goes to show you that there's no there's definitely not one everyone thinks I, I, at least the impression that i get even from somebody being in the the valley quote unquote is that Everyone sort of thinks of the kind of stereotypical, if you will, or prototypical kind of techie who, whatever, just has a very, it's a very defined path. You just go, whatever, the typical, grow up in the area or wherever, you go to college for engineering, and then you just like get into some random job at some big tech company, and then maybe you spend a few years there, and you then you go off and do your own thing, and then wave the magic wand and the next thing you know you've raised 50 million dollars and you're going ipo and whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know and then you're you're driving a a tesla down the street or whatever it is yeah Uh, but but yeah no i think that's that's super cool it's uh that that your background and you know there's been to your point some other guests we've had on with um that are in agriculture it's Uh, yeah it's funny you actually find a lot especially in the tech industry i find that uh there's a lot of you know agricultural backgrounds there but i also find that a lot of programmers um were like musicians um Mm -hmm. or you know they do woodworking or metalworking or there's some other kind of you know hands-on kind of thing that i think that they do that's a nice balance between that and the cerebralness of coding oh yeah absolutely yeah 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 i mean i was a mechanical engineer once upon a time and i still can't i mean we're a hardware company primarily but i still can't get away from the draw of creating something uh, right, like, like yeah. you're saying like you're doing something with with your hands whether it's putting them into a keyboard or whatever but that creative process is is really all the same so the, so with uh, getting back i guess to, to thing logics uh so so you guys sorry when did you say you started started the business uh we started thing let's see the acquisition was in 12 i want to say 12 or 13 um and so we started um uh, we started Thing Logics right after the acquisition of of Telemetry. Okay, interesting. Yeah, 
So then, uh, and then how big is the team now? So on shore, we have about 15 folks. Um, we have an uh, Indian office that has probably 20 folks. Um, we have a Dubai sales office that has, um, I think there's about a half a dozen people there. And then there's a sales office in the um, in The Hague, uh, the Netherlands. And there's only like a couple people there. A couple people are there. So, you know, we're, yes. under, we're under about 50. Oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. So I, I'm, <laughs> from the sounds of it, I'm guessing you guys were doing the distributed workforce, uh, work from home uh, operation long before any, <laughs> long yeah. before it was quote unquote cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And, and, and not only that, but you know, being a rancher, I've been social distancing my entire life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I keep yeah. telling, I invented social distancing and no, <laughs> no one wants to give me credit for it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, is, is that was that something creating a distributed workforce like that? Is that something that you've done previously with telemetry, or was was that uh, was that born out of necessity, or how did that kind of all come about? Uh, actually, it was it, it was um, the 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 group that started telemetry actually came from um, a cloud consulting firm called Aperio. We all worked at uh, Aperio doing Salesforce consulting back in the early two thousands. Um, and you know, Aperio really, they started out as a remote workforce. I mean, that was kind of their stick, uh, you know, and I think I started with them in 2006 or 2007. And so it became a, you know, kind of a cultural thing that, um, Aperio started and we just kind of kept going after there, always looking for, and the, the great thing about it was we were always looking for, you know, the right fit, not where you lived, you know? So if you, you know, when we were hiring and looking for people, we were looking for people that meshed with our culture, meshed with our ideals. And it, we didn't, we weren't confined by, you know, you have to live in the Bay Area or you have to live in, you know, Fort Worth or Texas or wherever that happens to be. So that's been something we've been doing for years and years again. And I think the pandemic really kind of you know, highlighted that for other companies. But um, mm -hmm. so it's been great. Yeah, I always found it kind of interesting that that the technology required to make that practical has been uh, has been there and usable for way longer than the last you know year and a half i mean oh, you yeah. know it's probably been it, it on the order of like a decade you know at least that that's been that's been a viable model now of course that that industry of itself has had a crazy rush of companies to build out all these individual tools and you know i mean it's, it's obviously gotten better uh you know in the <laughs> pretty quickly but yeah. um but yeah no it's i think that's it makes a lot of sense especially when you know if, if you can the the tricky part that i've always found and I'd, I'd be interested to kind of hear your experience with this is you know how how managing those different time zones has been has been a challenge i mean yeah. it seems like you guys have been dealing with that for obviously a long time but how i mean it's a sort of like you know, the main core of the team is here, so everyone else has got to adapt to it. Or how do you typically address that? You know, that's you know, that's a, a really good question because that is probably the hardest thing to deal with, especially uh, with India and Dubai. I mean, those are they're exactly twelve or thirteen hours uh, ahead or behind of us. I always forget, mm -hmm. but you know, it's um, you know, it's it is a quite literally the other half of the you know the day, <laughs> right? You know, so. Uh, it does make for, um, you know, some interesting work hours, um, but because we've always got a remote, yeah, we usually will, you know, have this uh, bulk of time during the morning that we'll work and, you know, collaborate with stuff in people onshore. 
But then, you know, from kind of like, you know, one to four or five, it's kind of our off time. Mm. And then it's, you know, from like six to eight or nine is kind of our on time again. So it Mm. really kind of breaks up your day a little bit. For for me, it works out really well because that means, you know, I can go do, you know, I have to feed the cows or I have to change the water or, you know, mend a Mm. fence or something. It can do it during that day when um, during that break. So it is a difficult thing, but, um, you, you know, you kind of adapt. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny because <laughs> I mean, in a, in a really odd, I guess, way you have a sort of a competitive advantage being a, being a rancher, you know, if you're waking up at 4am anyway, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. not so many people are doing <laughs> yeah, my that. day starts at 5am. Yeah. So, go, so. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, so, you know, I guess specific to, to thing logics, uh, how, so there's IOT in general is obviously just such a, a broad yeah. term and in industry and all that. Um, and, but, and with that, you know, you have, I don't know if I necessarily say it's a, a, I mean, it is a crowded space depending on how you're looking at it, but it's so gigantic. It's not particularly overcrowded in any one little segment yeah. of IOT, but I'd be curious how you guys maybe initially or, or now uh, kind of identified your, like where you fit in, like where, what your niche is, what is your kind of killer competitive advantage? Like what, how did you guys kind of come to that and, and how do you maintain it? Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. The IOT has kind of this broad term. I mean, <clears throat> when we first started, we called it M to M machine to machine, but over the years, you, you know, it, IOT has, has been, has come to be known as like, if you are a business analytics company that, provides analytics around data, your IoT. If you're a firmware company, your IoT. If you mm-hmm. are, you know, if you are a manufacturer, your IoT. If any <laughs> any broad thing, it seems like, oh, we're IoT. And I always say there was this there was this life cycle of an IoT project where, you know, you first start talking to a customer and they go, okay, well, can you connect my temperature sensor? And they go, oh, yeah, we can take it. So, you you know, you got to get the firmware guys and you get, a, you know, a client on there and you start chirping data to the cloud and they go, oh, my God, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can you put it in a graph? And you go, yeah, I can put it in a graph. And, and then you say, oh, can you make it send a text message to me when it gets over 100? Yeah, <clears throat> they can make it send a text message. And then you go, oh, right, this is awesome. And then we want to go, we, go, we want to put 10,000 of them out in the field. Go, okay, <laughs> we put 10,000 out in the field. And then they have what I call the oh shit moment. Like, oh shit, how are we going to manage all 10,000 of these and whatever? And so uh, in the world of IoT, uh, that's the spot where ThingLogix plays, where we say, okay, you now have, you need a solution. You have a business uh, process that you want to um, manage these things. So you've got to have context. You have to have, you know, where the data is going to go and relate the fact that this sensor happens to be in that building, in that room, and be able to correlate it between that and then manage the security against it, you know, um, make sure it doesn't get compromised, all those kinds of things. So we really, you know, found that our niche was in that providing a solution uh, for the business. So, uh, we kind of stay away from the hardware side. We kind of stay away from the firmware side. Uh, although obviously we do participate in those, um, on the analytics side, you know, we kind of leave that to some of the big analytics engines. So we really, our sweet spot is I need an application that I can now, you know, um, put into my business and, and run it, you know, so that's really our sweet spot. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was, I was going to, you kind of touched on this at the end there, but uh, that's the other thing I was wondering about is, did you guys ever, 
explore getting into the hardware side of things obviously that's a pretty big leap because yeah. it's just a i mean yeah hardware is just a different animal i guess i'll just yeah. leave it that obviously but has that been is that a request or you know is it like that comes up a lot or is it have you just found that there's there's enough options out there that you can be compatible with that it really isn't a pressing need well we we found that there was i mean there's enough hardware vendors out there that and the other thing, you know, most of the hardware vendors are creating their own cloud, right? Mm-hmm. right. I got, I have a temperature sensor and I'm going to manufacture that. Well, I've got to send the data someplace. So I'll send it to my own cloud. So I, you know, pot, pipe it up there. And then we kind of end up with this, we end up being really kind of a cloud of clouds. So you got one hardware that pipes over there, another one that goes over there. We bring those all together. So we made the conscious effort to stay out of be hardware agnostic you know uh basically we just require either mqtt or an http feed or even you know we have some proprietary protocols that some of our customers have used as well but you know we we partner with as many different hardware vendors as we can to actually provide a solution because at the end of the day it's usually like you know um like we did we obviously done a lot of smart home stuff where we had a lock, a smart lock, and a garage door opener, and a temperature sensor, and a you know motion sensor, and all those pieces maybe came from different um, hardware manufacturers and hardware vendors, and we put them together to a, mm. for a full solution, and that's really where where we like to play. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I mean, so just kind of more of a uh, I don't know, let's say philosophical, but like a g- generic question. But have you so I guess either with the the current company thing logics uh, or telemetry or in any other capacity, um, I'd be curious what the if you had any big uh, either failures or decisions you wish you really hadn't made along the way um, that you either maybe could be still recovering from or have already gone through the the painful realization that. This was definitely not the right thing to do. Hopefully, I wish that we could rewind time, kind of thing. Like, what do you? Ha- I mean, maybe you have. You know, I know I yeah. personally have too many of those to list on a single show, but yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, yeah. Like, what some of your your? Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, those are those are those are plentiful. You know, <laughs> it's the successes that are few and far between. <laughs> right. um, but you know, our biggest problem really was, and you know, and. Being a technologist, I've always, you know, I started doing e-commerce, you know, in 93, 94. And e-commerce really took off in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000. Started doing cloud computing in, you know, 2004, 2005. Really took off in the mid-2010s, you know. So always, you know, looking for the next thing, you know, it's kind of that it's the crack cocaine of coding. You know, you got to get out there. You got to be on the bleeding edge. Um, And our one of our biggest things, one of our biggest challenges that we're still to some degree trying to overcome is we provide a solution to a problem that most people don't know they have yet, Mm. right? So most people are still at the point of what is a connected device and why do I need one? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And we're like two steps down the, down the road from that. Like you say, oh, can I connect my device? Can you put it in a graph? Can you make it an, oh no, now how do I manage it? Well, we're you know, four or five steps removed from people starting to get that. And that evolution of of business and that business mindset trying to switch from really a to a subscription type economy and a connected type of economy, it's slow going, you know, and uh, honestly, I think COVID has actually helped that mm-hmm. uh, or has not helped, but maybe, you know, accelerated that because yeah. we're starting to see where as we become more decentralized as people, 
you know, and we're all staying in our place, these connected things and logistics of ordering and, you know, all that becomes more and more, uh, more and more prevalent. We came out with a product called WorkWatch during the pandemic, which, you know, basically was a kiosk that took your temperature and, you know, you had a, you took a text-based, you know, self-assessment and then it gives you a QR code and you scan it and it kind of did track and trace. And we did uh, a track and trace firmware inside of a, um, a uh, manufacturing plant scene, you know, how people are coming into contact with each other. So there's a lot of that stuff I think that has come about, but I, it's still, it's still hard. <clears throat> We've um, we just recently came out with um a product called Chirply, which is basically managing SMS messages. Uh, one of the things that we discovered is, you know, as an IoT company, really at the end of the day, what we do is we manage messages, manage mm-hmm. messages going back from one thing to another and taking action on that. Well, um, actually during my beef business, because I was selling, I was trying to figure out a way to sell more beef um, and email was not working. So I decided to say, all right, well, I'm going to just start texting my customers. Mm. Uh, And I started texting them and interacting with them exclusively through text. Well, your response rates go from like 1% to like 20%. Mm. You know, the amount of time it takes to close a sale is cut in half and you just get a response back. So we ended up coming out with a product that can you know help people um, do that, do texting their customers, but being able to put that same kind of intelligence in those messages that we do with IoT. So as an example, you can in in Chirply you can define your language. So if you're a Spanish-speaking person, I don't speak Spanish. Um, in in transit, the message converts to your language and back and forth. So I may or may not know that I'm ever. You know, I'm speaking to a Spanish person because it takes care of that. Being able to do form recognitions, you know, when I want to scan a form and send it and do the text extract and do those kinds of things. So we found that, um, <clears throat> you know, we were trying to kind of out there too far on the edge and you kind of bring it back a little bit to stuff that really is, you know, people are doing on a day-to-day basis. So that's always been a challenge for me. And, and, and you know, as a as a startup guy, I'm always looking for the next thing. And I think that also comes out of ranching too. It's like, all right, well, how can I make this better? What can I do better? How can I sell more cows? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I think the um it's really tough, especially for you know, forward thinking people, I guess if you want to generally, you know, innovators, uh, you know, and all that to to understand that especially a lot of the businesses that can value the most or they can get the most value from these this type of technology this kind of category of tech is that it doesn't it's a lot of times almost more beneficial if you can tone down the the quote-unquote innovation Mm -hmm. a little bit so like just like you're saying like pull it back just a bit because they like yes while there might be a lot of value in doing some crazy bleeding edge thing if it disrupts the ongoing operations so much that it's overwhelming or, you know, they don't want to consider it or it's going to be a bunch of cost to implement or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of times like a bigger bite than most people want to take out. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good point. And it's, it comes, I always say, you know, I remember back in the early days when desktop publishing started coming out, you know, and the Mac was first coming out and I was doing a lot of, <clears throat> you know, publishing and desktop publishing back then. And, you know, the radio blend, you know, with Photoshop came out and you could, you could blend the color from 
purple to green or whatever. And it was a click. And I had a designer friend of mine. He said, he goes, just because you can do a radio blend doesn't mean you should, you know, and it's kind of the same that has kind of held true with technology. Well, just because we can connect our washing machine. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't mean we should, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think as technologists, we think, Hey, and I, I, I remember my, you know, I was, when I first started with IOT, um, had the, had an Arduino board on my, on the kitchen table. Right. And I'm trying, and I, I worked all day and all night this whole weekend. And I got a light to blink on the Arduino. <laughs> and to me, it was like, and I went, I showed my wife, I go, watch this. And I'm from my computer. I made the light blink and I was so excited about it. And her response was, you're going to clean all this shit up. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so and maybe we maybe we ought to you know take a step back and see what really is practical and i think that's the other thing about being a farmer it makes you a little more practical and keeps me in check a little bit <laughs> yeah no doubt yeah 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 all good points well yeah well uh well yeah this is this has been awesome uh rob and you know it's super interesting hearing hearing about your story and about thing logics and everything um you know just as we kind of wrap things up uh you know I guess the first question I have is, you know, what's, um, what are you guys looking for right now? Is it, is it, uh, you know, customers funding, you going after new opportunities, partners, like what's, what's kind of the, the biggest thing that, you know, if people are listening to this right now and you say, if I could have my dream contact, you know, call me after listening to this next week or what would that be? Yeah, we're like, we're still looking for customers, right. You know, and we've got, we've got a good portfolio, uh, we have the USGS is one of our customers. We're monitoring the Grand Canyon and volcanoes and ducks and geese and a lot of stuff like that. But we're we're looking for those, um, you know, those companies that are kind of, you know, maybe not on the bleeding edge, but right there wanting to really transform their business from to maybe a subscription based economy and seeing how a new business model can exist. Because IoT is creating new business models that that mm-hmm. couldn't exist um, before this, uh, before we had this ability. So that's really what we're looking for is those, those customers that can really, um, you know, have the, the business sense to say, okay, I want to kind of transform how we're doing business and make it a little more sticky with connected devices. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And then, and then as a final kind of close out, what's, uh, What's the best way for people to uh, get a hold of you or, or follow you, whether that's you know LinkedIn, social media, or your website, or uh, you, either you personally or ThingLogic? So what do you what, is, what do you think? Yeah, you know uh, ThingLogic.com is a website. Get on there. Um, there's not too many Rastoviches on LinkedIn, so <laughs> <laughs> you can search for Rob Rastovich. You'll find me. Uh, love to connect and uh, follow me on there as well. So uh, appreciate it. Perfect. Well, yeah, Rob, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, again, this is Rob Rastovich from thinglogics.com. That's T-H-I-N-G-L-O-G-I-X.com. Uh, we'll add all that stuff in the show notes. But uh, yeah, again, Rob, thanks so much for, for coming on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to what ThingLogics is uh, going to bring to us next. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having us on. Hey, this is Critical CEO Ryan Cousins again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the IoT Idols podcast. If you're an accomplished engineer, inventor, product manager, or technology entrepreneur, and would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please go to critical.com slash podcast slash apply. That's K-R-T-K-L dot com slash podcast slash apply. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or share it on social media and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone you'd like to have us interview, let them know about the show or tag them on social media using the hashtag IOTIdols. We're always looking for great guests eager to share their stories with our audience. We're regularly posting new episodes, so make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media, and join our mailing list at critical.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be excellent.